This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. We're here today with uh, Steve Hirsch. He is the chairman of the National Volunteer Fire Council. Steve, thanks for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to join you. Outstanding. You know, we've we wanted to talk today about uh, volunteerism specifically and what the National Volunteer uh, Fire Council can do for volunteer companies and firefighters in general. We see a lot of anecdotal stories about volunteerism on decline. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot out of Pennsylvania, but a lot of states that talk about volunteerism on decline. Can you talk about the NVFC's uh, perspective? Well, you know, what is the real story about volunteerism in the United States? Well, I think the real story is that there has been a decline in the number of volunteer firefighters. I don't know how it could be anything less than that, because we certainly see the numbers that come from NFPA. Um, But I think it varies widely from fire company to fire company, too. Um, I see, let me just give you an example. Uh, In I've been Secretary of the State Firefighter Association in Kansas for about 20 years now. I've now moved to first vice president, but uh, we were we're one of the fire training agencies in the state. We were down at Galena, Kansas, which if you leave the uh, east side of Galena, you're in Missouri. If you go six miles south, you're in Oklahoma. So it's it's down in mining country. Believe it or not, there's actually mining activities in Kansas. Wow. And, uh, so this is an old mining town that's lead and zinc. It's all played out. It's now uh, economically probably a little depressed, uh, a bedroom community to Joplin, Missouri. Those folks there told me that they're going back to the council to ask for authority to add more positions on the fire department because they have more volunteers that want to be on than they have positions available. And I've, and I've seen that in a lot of places uh, around the country and around the state. Now, does that mean that there are not departments that are having and struggling to get volunteers? Sure, we, we know that's the case. Probably always been the case, frankly, but um, it's been kind of interesting because the regional fire schools that I've been at in Kansas in the last six months, we have seen an uptick. I, I've gotten to the point now where I ask how many of the students that are there, because we have an assembly in the morning, how many of the students there have been on the fire department less than a year? And I get, um, I'll get 10 or 12 hands from that. Wow. It's kind of interesting. I'm excited to see that because I do think that there may be some trends that are happening out there. Uh, but but we know. I mean, the, the issues, of course, are the same everywhere. Uh, I live in a rural area. Uh, a lot of places, uh, there are no jobs left. And so those people, they might still live there, but they work someplace else. So you have trouble with day staffing. Uh, mom and dad are both working. That's not the same as it was 50 years ago when my dad, actually 55 years ago, when my dad started in the fire service. Dad worked, mom took care of the kids, and then there was the ability of dad to, to take a fire call. Uh, um, back when I was a kid, if my parents were at school once a week, that was kind of typical for sporting events or other type of events. That was fairly common, but today, I think you could be at school every night of the week if you had a couple of kids. Uh, just we're, It's a busy society. Uh, I, I don't know that it is a decline in volunteerism. I think what it is is 
there are a lot of uh, there's a lot of competition for the time, uh, yeah. but you know there there's ways around that too. There's ways that fire departments can uh, things that fire departments can do. But I'm going to tell you, and I want to come back to Galena. Galena, the fire station sets a half a block off of Main Street or block off of Main Street. Big letters on the side of that fire station. Volunteer. It isn't Galena Fire Department. It's Galena Volunteer Fire Department. Side of their trucks, same thing. Trucks and engines. Uh, volunteer fire department they make a specific effort to make sure that the people in their community know that they're volunteer and that they need volunteers to help out so i you know i i see i see places that that have that struggle and i understand there's all sorts of reasons why but I also see places where because of the leadership within that department has put a priority upon making sure that they provide for the next the next generation of firefighters that uh, where it's not an issue i yeah. i will tell you that of the young firefighters that i have on my department and that i see around at these regional fire schools i am so excited about the future of the fire service because these young folks are every bit as committed to helping out their neighbors and their time in need as what we were when we came in the fire service yeah. that's pretty exciting yeah, those, those kids are definitely the future uh, of the fire service. And, you know, you talk about the rural uh, areas. I live in a rural area myself, um, generally speaking, and call volumes are uh, not that high. So it's difficult to attract people. And, um, that you know, it kind of leads to the recruitment uh, discussion. There, there have been varying degrees of success with recruitment and retention programs. Right. Can you speak to... Um, any of the root success strategies? I think I think the first thing for a fire department to do is they have to make sure that their community knows that it is a volunteer service and that and that volunteers are always needed. I get people who come through my station in a town of thirteen hundred people who want to know where the beds are, where we sleep at in the station. And you have to make sure that those people understand this is a volunteer service. And you have to make sure that people understand too that if their house is on fire, if their kid's upside down in a car, if somebody's having a heart attack, somebody's got to be able to respond to that. In a county like mine uh, of less than 3,000 people, I probably got 70,000 cattle, but I got 3,000 people <laughs> working us. They got to understand that they can't wait 30 or 40 minutes or an hour for somebody to get there because I'm the only fire department in the county. And and the same thing's true in, in every community that's got a volunteer service, they can't simply rely upon their neighbors. That doesn't mean that you don't use automatic aid or mutual aid, but in order to get a first due there, you need to do that pretty quickly. And people, I think people understand that, that there's a need in the community to make sure that somebody will respond to those incidents. Yeah. So, um, you know, beyond those things, we begin to think about, uh, you know, become – what you talked about there was kind of the uh, typical uh, volunteer community-oriented model where you're out in the community knocking on doors and talking about the opportunities that are there and, and preaching your own message. Beyond that, you know, we have, since uh, the, the grant programs have really been established, we've really seen an influx of recruitment and retention money being pumped into the system through SAFER and, and other grant programs. 
Can you talk a little bit about those federal grant opportunities for volunteers specifically and, you know, how can they benefit from that and, and how can the NVFC help uh, departments benefit from that? Sure. The, the National Volunteer Fire Council, of course, did receive a grant that uh, we've set up this uh, makemeafirefighter.org. What the purpose of that is that departments who are who have volunteer opportunities can establish basically their own portal there. And then as people can uh, log on and type in the zip code and they say, oh, I see that this department's looking for help. Um, I can go volunteer in this department. But it also provides some very good quality materials for fire departments who want to advertise uh, social media uh, materials, print materials, banners, things like that that are there, fully customizable for that particular department. Um, it's, it's just a really great resource for people. There are, there are a, lot of, a lot of state associations that have received uh, grant funding. Kansas happened to be one of those. It's been kind of a mixed success. Quite frankly, uh, I think the NVFC's program is, is kind of spot on because I believe that recruitment and retention tends to be more of a local issue driven by local needs and local conditions. If we can help those departments, uh, you know, by, by providing materials and, and resources and, and suggestions to them, then they can go out and recruit on their own for their department. I, I've seen those, though, that you know, there's some that will pay for college for students. There are some that will uh, uh, are providing some type of retirement benefit. Those are all good and well, but I'm not sure that anybody really ever gets into this business to make money. Certainly right. never was. Certainly never was my reason. I mean, my dad got started in 1963 because they were tired of somebody's pasture or field burning and then burning down the barn or the house as a result of that. Uh, it yeah. was a matter of, you know, it was a, it was a need that was out there and, and helped their neighbors out. So I, I think there's a lot of resources out there. Some work, some don't. You try what you can, and, and if it works, fine. Keep doing it. If it doesn't work, well, then you start over. But I do think that being positive about what we do is and making sure that people know what we need, that we need volunteers, I think, goes a long way. You know, we, we talk a lot in the fire service about, um, and I know probably the podcast is, is primarily aimed at, at the fire service, probably more so than civilian population. So we all know the problems that we got in the fire service. We know that your chance of getting cancer is a whole lot higher in the fire service than what it probably is as a civilian. Your chance of um, potentially taking your own life or suffering some type of behavioral consequences from our involvement in the fire service are greatly increased because of the things that we see uh, when, we, when we do our job. We know that heart disease affects us in a big sort of way. And then all the other things, the, you know, the roadside incidents, the, the building collapses, all, all those things that go with that, we have to be realistic with people about it. But my goodness, there is nothing in my life that I've ever done that's been more rewarding than being involved in the fire service. I, I, I never did it for money, I guess. So I've looked up uh, the website you were talking about, Steve. Uh, MakeMeAFirefighter.org looks very intuitive, gives uh, firefighters uh, the opportunity to access some resources. Also, though, to get that website out to their community to be able to have residents uh, type in uh, just 
type in a, a zip code and in this case it's popped up here automatically within 30 miles of that zip code and it will give them the information to be able to reach out to the local fire departments that's a great uh, great tool and looks pretty intuitive and easy for people to use so um, good good thing that you got out there and am i to understand correctly that was part of one of those grant programs out of the fire act or the safer grant program yes that's correct it was out of the afg program yeah, yeah fantastic so great resource and um, opportunity to to get uh, you know not only the traditional knocking on doors and having the the bake sales and the different things like that uh, but this is the at electronic age and being able to push that website out through their uh, community newsletters and different things to to get people um, actually on the uh, site looking for the different resources available and close to them is a great uh, great tool right so yeah. um, and I would add too yeah. that there are some materials out there I think for recruitment on the EMS side of the houses because some some fire departments, um, so, some out here don't do EMS, but a lot of a lot of fire departments do. Uh, there are some that are, while they may be organizationally combined, they may be functionally separate. So yeah. materials out there for folks that want to that want to do the EMS side of the house as opposed to the fire side as well. Okay, good. So how can the National Volunteer Fire Council uh, help volunteer companies with those grants or, or any other grants? Are there other things that the, the NVFC can help departments or how can the NVFC help those departments with these grants? Well, one very clear way that we've been involved with, we have a seat on the uh, Criteria Development Committee. And basically that's a committee that assists the U.S. Fire Administration in determining what the uh, what the guidelines should be for the grants. I think we've had a fairly big impact in the micro grant area, trying to uh, simplify the grant applications for departments that don't need a lot of money, but need some money for safety equipment. Uh, that, that's been a very uh, beneficial aspect of criteria development. So we're always looking and people should let us know, hey, if you're having a problem with this or that with your grant application, they should let us know because but those are things that we can take to criteria development and, uh, and and hopefully make a difference for fire departments. The other thing is, is departments also, you know, while I, I can tell you in my own department, the, the first um, seven or eight years of the grant program, we were probably getting a grant every year. But we know what's happened is, is that uh, over time, the money has uh, has lessened. There's not as much money in the program as there was when it first started. Uh, there is probably more money going to career departments than than before. Uh, so you cut the pie, uh, the size of the pie, and then you start slicing it a little differently. It's a lot more difficult for volunteer fire departments to get grants, and certainly it, it, it's very difficult when you're trying to get apparatus, which is you know huge amounts of dollars. But but yeah. folks had folks had also not also uh, folks should not forget that they've got some local resources too. They may have local companies that might be willing to give a little bit of money. Uh, they may have local charities or or uh, organizations that that will fund some things. Um, in Kansas, for example, we have a uh, in our state fire marshals providing. Um, washing machines to try and keep our gear clean and and uh, and we'll buy a limited amount of turnout gear there are there are programs out there again in kansas but i know in in several states where there may be an agency that allows a department to donate uh, older equipment 
to that particular agency for liability purposes that a, that a department may be able to uh, to get some maybe not brand new gear but but certainly newer gear or newer equipment newer fire trucks so there there's some other programs out there I, I don't want people to simply rely upon the federal AFG program which has been a tremendous program uh, you know I, I've heard from some folks that Maybe the reason that there's less money is because they've met all the needs, and any of us who are involved in the fire service knows that that's so far from the truth. Yeah, uh, there yeah are, the, need, the need will always be there. Yeah, and and the difficult thing I think for a lot of smaller fire departments is is they will apply and get turned down. They will apply and get turned down, and then they quit because yeah. they're tired. They're tired of of wasting their time. And I would just encourage them. Because I've been involved in the in the uh, peer review process, sometimes it makes a difference on who's doing the peer review on on your particular application. What might fly one wouldn't fly one year will fly the next. So I would you know make sure that people keep after it too and not give up. Because because I will tell you too that when people start giving up on applying, that also sends a signal that the needs have been met and so therefore they don't need to fund it as much, which yeah. isn't true, but but that signal can can get messed up yeah yeah it's, it's definitely gotten a lot more uh competitive in uh, the grant cycles you talked about and indeed you know we can't say when you apply uh, we have no way of knowing whether you'll be awarded but i can guarantee you if you don't apply you won't be awarded right. so getting them out there and making sure they do that is uh is important um as you know, we i'm sorry go ahead Another thing I want to mention, too, is uh, I think departments need to probably spend a little bit of time thinking about their junior firefighter programs to explore posts, whatever you want to call them. Um, we have never in my own department, we've never had an explore program. We initiated it last week. Uh, I've got a couple of kids in there who are 16 years old who are just on fire for this. And and what that's something we all need to be doing as much as we can to encourage and and that's another way that the national volunteer fire council i think has really stepped up to the plate because if, if people will go to the nvfc website they're going to see an awful lot of materials for junior firefighter programs in terms of how to set them up uh, the things to watch for uh, paperwork uh, that that you don't have to create on your own uh, but boy i tell you what getting getting young folks involved at an early age getting our hooks in at them um it's it's real important yeah, and it's even more important with the expansion over the years and it, it you know it looks like even more now of the hours needed for training and the the requirements at nfpa uh, slowly increasing and in most cases for the safety of the individuals it's not you know it's just not ad hoc stuff so getting them young um, i agree 100 percent with you the explore type programs i really like the high school programs that i see in a lot of states now um, that's where we're going to get our next firefighters from and, and so, you know i should say too you know even though i think there are places that are in the volunteer service and this, this is part of the reason i think it's not totally a volunteerism issue even though there are departments who are having issues with getting volunteer firefighters i talk with the major metro areas who you know, maybe 20 years ago, we're getting 4,000 applications for 20 positions and now struggle to get enough applications to to equal the number of positions they have and getting and getting quality people. So I'm not sure that it's totally a volunteerism issue. 
uh, because I'm seeing it ha the issues both in the volunteer service and on the career side of the house as well in terms of people who seem to be interested in, in what we do. Yeah, that's a good observation. So let's talk for a second about professionalism. Uh, you know, and I am very careful. Uh, in fact, I just finished writing uh, an article that uh, uh, will be out about uh, specifically the professionalism is not a paycheck. So I'm very clear when I talk to people that uh, there are professional volunteers and there are professional uh, paid firefighters. Uh, it's not about a paycheck. So let's talk about professionalism in the fire service and specifically, you know, how do we um, address those issues that we see every day coming across our screens? Sure. Well, we need to make sure that we take our jobs seriously and train because, you know, there are expectations among the public that when they dial 911, no matter where they're located, they expect the fire department of the city of New York to show up with, and I'm just picking on them, but they expect the fire department of the city of New York to show up with, uh, you know, all the manpower that they need, all the equipment, fully trained and fully capable of handling your particular boo-boo. And, you know, that, that may not be reality in some places across this country, but that doesn't keep us from being professional with the job that we do. Professionalism also has a level of compassion in it as well, because being compassionate to people that are having the worst possible day in the world that that's professionalism too you know the the thing that we have in the volunteer service that perhaps doesn't exist on the career side of the house or or, or maybe even in some of the larger volunteer services is that uh, everybody that we come into contact with is probably somebody we're either related to have had in Sunday school or do work for in our private lives so we need to make sure that we're pretty compassionate for with people as well. Uh, treating people with respect and dignity. Uh, you know, and I, I had this conversation with our, our two young folks uh, Tuesday night at drill night that, uh, you know, this is a brand new Explorer post, brand new junior firefighter program. Everybody's going to be watching them. That doesn't mean that they don't make mistakes because uh, I told them that, uh, um, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. My wife only made one, uh, <laughs> but you know, everybody's going to make a mistake. That that's not, that's not what it's about. It's about learning from our mistakes. And, uh, but, but man, there's, you're, you're absolutely spot on. Professionalism doesn't have anything to do with a paycheck because there are, there are folks who don't act like professionals, no matter what part of this business you're in. Yeah, and, you know, it's um, also important to make the point uh, for our listeners, um, and I, I'm sure you agree with me, uh, it, this is an on or off-duty thing. We are, um, the expectation is we are there for our communities 24-7, and, you know, everybody is human, and, and everybody has a human side to them, but our uh, professionalism goes beyond just being in the fire station or being on the fire truck, and um, I, I think that if we can get our people to uh, to understand that a little bit better, we'll see a little bit less of this coming across our screens every day of, uh, of this person stole this, did that, got pulled over for a, a DUI or DWI. I mean, 
we have a lot of that problem, but I don't think we're any different than any other uh, organization. We're just in the public eye. Sure, because, you know, John Doe can do those same type of crimes, and it merits very little attention among the public, but yeah. make it be a firefighter, whether they were on duty or off, that will be part of the headline is a volunteer firefighter or a career firefighter charged with X, Y, or Z, which, which it doesn't have anything to do with them being a firefighter. But yeah. that, that is a, you know, that, uh, yeah, it, it's a, it's a black mark for us for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you can't buy pride and dedication. So, uh, these people, um, that that come in we have to exude that uh, our leadership uh, the leadership that the nbfc provides and that we provide as chiefs and important for people to uh, to hear that message well they always you know they always say that one uh, i have to say i say this politically correct but one uh-oh marks out uh, a thousand attaboys that's a fact yeah that, that, that is a fact so the nvfc and you mentioned the website it is nvfc.org uh, with the mission of the National Volunteer Fire Council, how else, we talked about recruitment and retention, we talked about grants, how else can the NBFC help volunteer fire departments across the country? Well, certainly if you, uh, you know, if people will go to that NBFC.org website, they're going to find an awful lot of stuff. They're going to find information about what's going on in the nation's capital, uh, because that's kind of important. They're going to find out what's going on at the NFPA and the various code uh, organizations that we're involved with. Uh, but they're also going to find a lot of material about how we keep firefighters alive, whether that's cancer or behavioral health or heart attacks or driving. There are, there are huge uh, swaths in that website dedicated to training and education. You know, you know we have to be kind of careful, too, about uh, it seems like we, we've, we've spent a lot of time on cancer uh, suicide and heart attacks, but we also have to understand that there are firefighters out there dying all the time from from routine stuff that gets us into trouble. And there's a lot of training materials out there at the NBFC that that also help, you know, mainly just keep our people alive. And you know, one of the things that uh, I've been sending out letters uh, to departments that have lost firefighters in the line of duty, and my first three. Well, I'll tell you what, signing those letters has got to be similar to what the president feels when he signs those letters to folks who die in the service of this country. But I've went one step further, and that is that I've, I've called these departments and talked to them. And, you know, let me just tell you about the first three. The firefighter, I believe, at Fort Smith, Arkansas, he was in his 70s, died of a heart attack on the way to a brush fire. I, I guess if I die at 73 on the way to a brush fire, I'll be okay with it because – I will have lived a good portion of my life. 73 is not old by a stretch of the imagination, but, you know, this kind of stuff happens. The second one, though, was a career firefighter in Florida who had a stroke and died, whose, whose son turned a year old the, year, the month after he died. So there's a, there's a family with a whole different future than what it was before. And then the third one was a young firefighter in his 20s who, who died when the building collapsed on him. It was a commercial fire, I believe an arson fire. Um, he couldn't get out and, uh, you know, he died there. His son turned a month old the month that he died. His, his father was on that fire scene because his father was a volunteer firefighter too. His grandfather is the mayor of that community. It's a community that's just a little bit bigger than mine, but not much. 
And we got to make sure that we're taking care of our people and taking care of their families because when it gets right down to it, that's what we're trying to do is to make sure that these families don't have a different future than what they were going to have otherwise. So I think that's important, but also want people to realize too, uh, besides the junior firefighter programs out there uh, that, that are part of our website, uh, we've also got a couple of programs that we're running right now. Uh, I, I don't think the grant application period is open currently, but it soon will be. We've got a partnership with Globe MSA where we're giving away, I think it's 50 some sets of turnout gear each year. It's competitive, uh, but I tell you what, that's been fun too to call those departments, not just send them a letter, but call those departments and find out what's going on uh, all across the country because that's that's open to uh, both United States and Canadian uh, fire companies. So uh, thank goodness for companies like Global MSA and, and, and our other partners who, who give so freely of, of uh, you know, making sure that we're safe. And then, and then of course, the partnership we currently have with uh, Anheuser-Busch providing drinking water uh, all across this country. I, I, I forget now, it's millions of cans that Anheuser-Busch has provided of water that we've been involved with in terms of of distributing that across this country because we know that at least from a heart standpoint hydration 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 and and thank goodness that companies like like uh, bush has stepped up to the to the plate and has and has helped us out in providing water so uh, there are there are a number of programs and i've probably forgotten as many as as what i've given you but man i, I tell you what if i was uh, you know if i was a fire chief out there just coming on as a as a as an officer or, or company officer for that matter, I'd sure want to go to that NBFC website and take a look at some of the materials out there and some of the programs that we're offering. I think they'll find them very beneficial, uh, mainly beneficial for keeping their firefighters alive and making sure that those families have a different future than what they would if there was something bad that happened. Absolutely. Well, Steve, sounds like you're doing great things there for the National Volunteer Fire Council. I want to uh, remind the listeners that uh, for their community especially they can send people to the make me a firefighter.org website and that gives them the opportunity to research fire departments near them looking for help they can go to the national volunteer fire council uh, website directly at nvfc.org for all the information that we've talked about here today so we've been talking uh, with steve hurst chairman of the national volunteer fire council steve thanks for joining us on this edition of side alpha podcast Thank you, too.